Hi and welcome to another episode of Nothing to Hide. My name is Kevin and on today's episode I wanted to talk about uh, an experience I had while watching a movie uh, Becoming Nobody by Ram Dass as well as um, some of the conflicts or the conflicts that are still taking place today and um, and the many hopeful things that have come out of it. So, um, oh, actually, before we begin, I just want to make a note that uh, my results came back from my uh, COVID-19 tests and they came back negative, so I don't have COVID-19. I don't know if it's a test that just indicates whether or not you currently have it or not, or whether you've ever had it. Um, because I'm still convinced I had it back in January, although after a conversation with my doctor, he explained that the first confirmed case wasn't until March, I think, in, uh, in Toronto, so I likely did not have it, but, uh, or, or February, I don't remember, so he, he's ruling it out. So, um... There's a movie by the late Ram Dass, who passed away uh, at the end of last year, and the movie is called Becoming Nobody. And in the movie, it's um, very much like an autobiography of his life. After watching the movie, um, I decided to, to meditate. It's, I wasn't meditating consistently uh, up until that day, so it was it was a little difficult for me to get um, to get my mind still and quiet. And after I'd say maybe five ten minutes of just random thoughts and trying to always return back to listening to my breath and you know focusing on that, and then you know having my thought wander away again. I settled on this image of, um, I'd say, a 35-year-old Ram Dass um, coming up to sit down next to me and meditate with me. From that moment on, my thoughts became very crystal clear and focused. I was in, you can say, a groove of meditation, but then... I also started to relive some, you know, childhood trauma. And it was so powerful that uh, it brought me down to tears. And I can't remember the last time I cried. It's easily been five years, maybe even 10 years. And so I wanted to remind myself of that experience. So. I recorded uh, a voice recording of my account um, of my experience after that meditation and uh, I'll plug that in at the end of this uh, podcast. I will also play for you the credit scene at the end of the movie has this song and I decided to take a clip of that and just loop it over and over again while I made it meditated. And um, I'll, I'll include that as well. A lot, a lot, a lot of things to digest. Safe to say that um, the coronavirus has taken an L. Uh, no one seems to be 
too concerned about that. Um, all the attention, rightfully so, being on um, the George Floyd case and the many protests, uh, not only for him, but the several um, black lives that were lost um, innocently. Uh, and I say that because they were innocent and it was at the hands of police, of course. Um, I am very hopeful. I am very optimistic because of the many changes that have already taken place and that are going to, um, that are going to take place. The world is shaking and it's because of everyone's attention on this powerful cause may not be eliminated in our lifetime, that being racism, but shaking up the world in a way where people are going to become more sensitive, more conscientious, more understanding, more compassionate. And that's, that's an awakening. And, and that's taking place right now before our eyes. It's, it's amazing to see. I like that the mainstream media hasn't put as much emphasis on the, the, the small spotlight of looting and rioting because it's an isolated group of opportunists that are trying to take advantage of a situation. In my honest opinion, I feel like the majority of people that are protesting for change peacefully, even their influence are spreading into many of these opportunists. News reports are claiming the the rioting and the looting has essentially stopped or been reduced to isolated instances now. And I get it. I get the frustration and the anger and how we can't release that in a healthy way because we're asked to stay home. We can't expend that energy in a healthy way by going to the gym or going for a walk. You know, we're told to stay inside. And then everyone witnessed the murder of George Floyd. We needed to get our, and that, that was the anger that put us over the edge. The world is listening. Changes have already taken place. I saw um, an image being shared on Instagram where it outlined all the many changes that have already happened thus far. Um, I understand that chokeholds are banned in uh, Minneapolis now. Um, you know, uh, the officer that killed George Floyd, his initial charge of third degree murder was um, increased to second degree murder. The three other officers were uh, were charged with abetting a murder um, when they were initially free. There's something about this situation that gives me so much hope that significant changes are going to stick. It's unfortunate that it was at the hands George Floyd and his death. The fact that he has created this wave of positive changes is, is incredible. I wanted to also talk about um, the movie Becoming Nobody and how it 
really connected me spiritually to to my soul and I think what was so significant about it was the very beginning and I'm not going to spoil it but he just asked a simple question who are we and he goes into this amazing detail of how we're born and we're in this suit and we go about our lives trying to become a somebody and he does this brilliant articulate explanation of how he never felt comfortable in a suit and there's this really funny moment where he's speaking with a, a therapist and the therapist convinced and the therapist has his own suit and convinces Ram Dass to try on his suit. <laughs> so Ram Dass starts exploring becoming a doctor and a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something like that. Um, and he says it's hard because you're wearing the suit and other people are complimenting your suit, but you yourself don't feel comfortable in your suit. It's a reminder not to get too too attached to this to this body to the suit because it too will will start to break down do great things with it while you still have it i think as uh, anthony bourdain says uh your body is not a temple it's an amusement park so go enjoy it something like that I'm sure i'm butchering it there's a story uh, from the New Yorker, um, which was back in 2005, which I want to read a portion of, uh, because it just reminded me of the many, the many officers, uh, I saw a Marine, uh, take a knee out of respect, out of respect for, for black lives. It's by Dan Baum. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it felt it was very um, appropriate. During the early weeks of the Iraq war, the television set in my office was tuned all day to CNN, with the sound muted. On the morning of April 3rd, as the army and the Marines were closing in on Baghdad, I happened to look up at what appeared to be a disaster in the making. A small unit of American soldiers was walking down a street in Najaf when hundreds of Iraqis poured out of the buildings on either side. Fists waving, throats taut, they pressed in on the Americans, who glanced at one another in terror. I reached for the remote and turned up the sound. The Iraqis were shrieking, frantic with rage. From the way the lens was lurching, the cameraman seemed as frightened as the soldiers. This is it, I thought. A shot will come from somewhere. The Americans will open fire and the world will witness the Mylay massacre of the Iraq war. At that moment, an American officer stepped through the crowd, holding his rifle high over his head with the barrel pointed to the ground. Against the backdrop of the seething crowd, it was a striking gesture, almost biblical. Take a knee, the officer said, impassive behind surfer sunglasses. The soldiers looked at him as if he were crazy. Then one after another, swaying in their bulky body armor and gear, they knelt before the boiling crowd and pointed their guns at the ground. The Iraqis fell silent and their anger subsided. 
the officer ordered his men to withdraw. It took two months to track down Lieutenant Colonel Chris Hughes, who by then had been rotated home. Were those gestures peculiar to Iraq, to Islam? My questions barely made sense to Hughes. In an unassuming, persistent Iowa tone, he assured me that nobody had prepared him for an angry crowd in that country, much less the tribal complexities of Najaf. Army officers learned in a general way to use a helicopter's ro rotor wash to drive away a crowd, he explained, or they fired warning shots. Problem with that is, the next thing you have to do is shoot them in the chest. Hughes had been trying that day to get in touch with Grand Ayatollah Ali al-Sistani, a delicate task that the army considered politically crucial. American gunfire would have made it impossible. The Iraqis already felt that the Americans were disrespecting their mosque. The obvious solution to Hughes was a gesture of respect. That day, Colonel Hughes saved not only his soldiers' lives, but possibly innocent Iraqi people's lives, civilian lives. And that, that story was so uh, resounding when I heard it at the time. It was read by Jack Kornfield on one of his podcasts. It's such a powerful statement as we've all come to see and witness in the many gestures made by law enforcement all around the world. It's, it's a sign that, that like change is taking place. There's a, a sense of almost renewal or regeneration, regrowth. It may not feel as, as though enough change is taking place, but it's a significant little step that's the first of many. Um, I think my voice recording from my um, post-meditation is about 10 minutes long, I'd say. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time uh, jabbering away. So I just want to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate your support. And as always, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at nthpod at gmail.com. That's nthpod at gmail.com. Thanks.
leads you to love everything you are aware of. The sky. the people I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. just finished a meditation after watching uh, a movie on Ram Dass called Becoming Nobody at the end of the movie when it went to uh, the credits there's um, an audio clip of Ram Dass almost going through um, a meditation where he repeats, I am loving awareness with uh, Krishna Das, um, a fellow um, friend who attended the same um, uh, guru, um, Maharaji, they were both uh, students of Maharaji in India, and Krishna Das is uh, has a song playing in the background while Ram Das is repeating, "I am loving awareness." I decided that I would record the audio clip. It was about two minutes long. And I would play it on loop while I meditated. And while I meditated, instantly I saw all the usual suspects through the various thoughts that I started to have. The judging mind, the try not to think about anything mine, the the peaceful mind, the oh I'm I'm doing it, I'm doing it mind, I'm I'm meditating with no thoughts mind. And then I came to a weird place where I have uh just to give you an idea of my environment, I have a little little shrine where I meditate in the corner of my living room and uh, I typically have all the lights off I have the ability to control it uh, with my phone and um, I forgot that I had my laptop open so there's light coming from there typically I prefer to meditate in complete darkness but I decided let's just leave that on and 
while I was in this meditation, I I began to picture Ram Dass almost coming up from behind me, putting his arm around me, embracing me, and then sitting next to me and begin meditating with me. That was the the imagery that I was experiencing. And then I began to think about my younger self for some reason as my laptop goes into sleep mode and uh, turns off the bright screen. And I'm picturing maybe like a a five-year-old or six-year-old version of me just absolutely in fear. Just pure, 100% fear. And then I could see multiple versions of me where um, I'm in fear of my dad who's beating me or I'm in fear of the social pressure of uh, of being unique and not not meeting the expectations um, and I mean like not not fitting in um, as in like just social norms because um, I grew up in a predominantly all white community um, just just living in fear and I could see a version of myself that's that's crying that's so scared and it's just falling victim to his fight and flight mode and resorting to almost something comforting in the crying and I saw my present self coming to comfort that younger version of me and um, and just feeling so sorry and apologetic for what that younger version of me has to go through and I just even now just thinking about it just broke down and it was almost as though the younger version of me was comforting the older version of me breaking down and telling me that it's okay. Like my younger version of me is comforting me. And, uh... It was very um, powerful 
emotionally and uh, spiritually and physically. I could feel my chest tightening up, that ball that's like lodged in your throat. Couldn't catch my breath. And uh, it's been a minute since I since I experienced any emotion to this degree, I would say. Um, or even just crying, at least. It's been a minute, and uh, I feel a lot of release. And I, I knew it was important for me to record this so that I may be able to remind myself of this powerful experience.